NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Uh, welcome you all to our podcast, uh, Rich, with Madabout Sports. So we have here our guest, uh, Jared Kimber, one of my favorite content creators as well. Uh, so coming to Jared, I don't think uh, he needs any introduction. So he has been uh, creating some amazing content, not just on one platform, but multiple platforms across YouTube, Substack. Even I'm a subscriber to his uh, Substack as well. And I've been following his work. Fortunately, uh, so Jared, if you remember in 2019, uh, so you actually worked with Cricket.com. So we did a show called Man Versus Machine. Yeah. Uh, so I was actually part of uh, Cricket.com data science team. So sending the data in there. So yeah, so far indirectly, so we were working together as well. So yeah, so that was great. Uh, like Man Versus Machine entire series was an amazing series, right? So your thoughts versus our algorithm. So that was like for a sports plus data guide, I think that's a, that's a feast. Yeah, no, I mean it was an interesting one. Um, unfortunately, they didn't keep it going, but yeah, it was a uh, yes. it was good fun. Yes, yes, and uh, yeah. So, so today this session is all about. So we uh, at Madabout Sports. I'll just give you a short intro about myself and also Madabout Sports. What we do at Madabout Sports. So this is David. So I've been an analyst, senior analyst, data scientist, like over five years of my experience. And in this journey, I got a chance to work with Cricket.com, where I had a chance to work with uh, like Crickinfo, Crickbuzz, Hotstar as well, few IPL teams, CPL teams as well. Uh, so purely into data science, uh, building algorithms, machine learning algorithms and all. And uh, coming to Mad About Sports, I've joined Mad About Sports a couple of years ago. So we do uh, combine data plus cricket. So as you know, cricket is crazy in India and we have so many passionate fans. So we just combine this cricket with data to make uh, people upskill themselves as well. So I don't think there's any better way of learning uh, data science with cricket. So yeah, so we conduct workshops uh, around this aspect so helping people learn and also entertain as well. And yes, so with that, uh, we can get started with our podcast for today. So our main agenda would be around right, so your journey, right, so how you got started uh, in this domain and also some insights which will help our students as well. Sure. Yes. Yeah, shoot. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and I think... Uh, First question uh, will be, so you are uh, from a film background, right? So I was uh, looking into your profile as well, right? So been following you for a long time. So I thought you were from some cricket background or some, some data background, but I see that you are for a, from a film background. So how did this transition happen? And why did you choose filmmaking uh, first of all? Uh, I just love stories. So for me, uh, story, mm -hmm. you know, it made the most sense. Uh, I suppose the most famous stories in the world are told through cinema. So, right. you know, uh, I always wanted to write a TV show or, you know, work on films. And that was where I was headed. Um, the cricket stuff kind of happened by accident. You know, I had a friend who was, uh, who's actually, he does a lot of basketball data stuff these days. He does a lot of okay. scraping of old uh, cricket, uh, cricket games, basketball games. So 
If you mm-hmm. go to the website Basketball Reference, you'll see every uh, box score of every game that Michael Jordan ever played, and that's done that's by a guy true. called Todd Spear. Um, mm. And that's uh, he was a mate of mine growing up, and um, he was ha- he had a basketball blog, and I was giving him advice about blogging, and he's like, "Why don't you do cricket?" So I started doing cricket, and it just exploded quicker than the, the filmmaking stuff did at that point. So I had a choice to either sort of stay with the filmmaking and see how that went or follow the cricket writing stuff. And um, there was work for me in the UK on, well, straight away. So I was like, well, I'll just come out and see how it goes. And uh, that was uh, 2008 and I'm still here. So it might be going okay. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's a great backstory. So, so I like one of my personal favorite videos, probably underrated one is the Sunil Narayan's video, how he stayed relevant with time. Uh, it may have less number of views, but the story you've made up uh, was great. That was really amazing. One of my favorites, of course, uh, the 10-minute description of Virat Kohli's shot, Bumrah videos. I've seen a lot of videos, but one thing that stands out is uh, Sunil Narayan's video. But you put a lot of effort in telling your stories. That is clearly evident on your YouTube channel. So is there a team that is helping you? How did you come up with this kind of format? All right. So can you walk us through on that? Yeah, so I made videos for Crick Info for, uh, well, I was hired originally to make videos, not be a writer. And then I sort mm-hmm. of ended up becoming the main writer on that website kind of accidentally, probably from their decision and my decision, really, as much as mm-hmm. anything. And um, when when I went to the 2016 World Cup, I mm-hmm. basically, I wrote a piece that said, this sport doesn't cover T20 cricket very well. I don't think at that stage there was a full-time cricket writer who covered T20 cricket. And I sort of went through all the different ways that it wasn't covered correctly. And my editor, um, Sambat Bal, sort of took me aside and was like, why don't you try and do it then? Um, He probably regrets that because I think he liked my old style of writing and probably doesn't like my newer style of writing as much. But uh, he then started sending me to – I sent me out to the Big Bash a couple of times – must have sent me to the IPL once or twice as well. And, it, you know, I very soon, I remember I went to the Big Bash and that was mm-hmm. the time when I was going to be changing how I wrote and, and what kind of stories I was going to be telling. And very, very soon, I realized I didn't know a lot about data. So I knew a lot about Stats Guru. So if you've ever been on Crick Info, that was kind of the original place that you got your cricket stats from. Right. Uh, I, I'd always been good at maths at a young age. Mm-hmm. But I was a high school dropout, so it's not like I did advanced maths or anything. But I did know maths very well, um, at, okay. you know, at least well enough. I could use an Excel spreadsheet, like little things like that, which might seem like to someone like you, a like nothing. But <laughs> in the terms of cricket writing, you know, right. cricket writers aren't looking at Excel spreadsheets, right? So it, it, that was on its own. But I went out to the Big Bash and I was like, okay, what am mm. I going to do here? And I, I talked to Trent Woodhill. So he'd been working with RCB and with Melbourne Stars. And okay. I sort of said to him, what's not being done? What is being done? What do you want to know? And that's all it was. It was just those three questions. I talked to him for about an hour one day. Uh, he must have, it must have been the start of the Big Bash season. So because he's a mate, he gave me some time. Uh, I think I bought – he kept talking about Moneyball, and I was like, well, I've seen the movie, but I haven't actually read the book. So, uh, you know, I, I went and bought Moneyball – I then I bought another baseball book that was about data. And then I was like, actually, I don't know enough about baseball for these to be massively helpful. The sport I know a lot about is basketball. 
So I started right. Googling basketball and data and there were all these incredible writers, um, uh, you know, in basketball doing similar things. It was not quite at the level of baseball, but it was getting there. But I understood it all, right? And, and right. you know, I, I could, it was easier for me to understand those sorts of things. I think almost there and then I came up with my first metric, which was uh, True Economy. Uh, so this was what 2017. So I think now true economy is used uh, right across a lot of uh, well, a lot of analysts use it. Obviously, Crickviz I think use it as well. Um, it's probably you know true economy, true strike rate is probably one of the most um, uh, widely used. Um, everyone else has their own metrics for whatever reason. When I came up with that, it was so simple that everyone got it. Uh, it's just a contextual right. strike rate or a contextual thing. For, so for the period of the game that you're in. Um, but that was instantly. I didn't know anything about anything. All I knew is that that should exist, right? And right. That there are other things out there that should exist. Um, and then I did a course uh, on uh, uh, on stats, um, you know, started to look into all that sort of stuff, read it more and more, got really deep into the technology side of things, um, you know, uh, read, the, read books like The MVP Machine. Uh, there's another – in fact, there's two Ben Lindbergh books uh one is called the mvp machine the other one's called the only thing is that i have to work two baseball books but they're incredible read all the football books um and you know at this point i was like well okay there is a, another way and i still like you talk about sun on Orion. i don't start with sun on Orion from the point of what were his stats like in t- 2009 and what were his stats like in 2012 and what were his stats like in 2016 like I, it's very rare i would start a story like that I start a story from the point of view of this is a guy who was the best T20 player in the world. He then wasn't the best T20 player in the world. He then Mm -hmm. gets called for chucking and his whole career almost falls apart. And then he rebuilds himself to be a highly effective overseas player in the toughest league in the world. Like what, that's a story of someone. And, you know, I did a piece recently on Faf Duplessis. I was mm-hmm. watching Faf Duplessis when he was a rubbish player for Lancashire bowling leg spin. He bowling half trackers and running around the field and never making any runs, certainly not when I watched him. Right. To go from that to someone who in the last five years has turned himself into one of the best T20 players in the world, that's quite Absolutely. a turnaround. So that's what I'm looking for. So for me, the data is no different than the journalism, right? right? Journalism is one set of facts. Data is another set of facts. Uh, you know, you know when when I'm writing a piece about a player, so someone like Faf, I'm probably messaging people who maybe had coached him when he was coming up. Um, I'm probably talking to people who played against him early on, trying to get stories about him, trying to get a feel for if I'm right with the journalism. There's no difference for me from that and getting an algorithm to work out why he is good now and why he never used to be good. There's no that's not different for me. That's just data. Um, uh, on one side uh, telling the truth and on the other side it's journalism telling the truth. So for me, it's just about the stories and, uh, you know, through the data, it allows you to find things. It's it's easier to uncover things about players from right. from data that no one knows than it is from journalism. So people seem to notice the data stuff um, just as much. But, you know, recently I told the story of potentially our Hawkeye was made uh, you know, when uh, Paul Hawkins was uh, given out LBW in his first first and only professional game, right? right? That's the guy who changed the LBW decisions forever. That's not a data-led story, right? That is a cricket-led story. Or, 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 or not even a cricket-led story. That's a, I don't know, 
that's a that's like an origin story. It's like you know, depending on whether you think cricket is better now or not, he's a villain or a, or a um or a hero. But essentially, that's what that's what you're looking for in those situations. And so for me, the data was just another part of that, and how I could get hold of it and what I could do with it to be able to tell the best story possible um, and try and get to the truth of a matter. Um, that's essentially all I'm trying to do: learn more and tell the stories of it. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. That, that is really a great insight. So, a lot of people, they start with a spreadsheet or a data instead of actually. Uh, not thinking about the story first. So you, your approach is uh, quite opposite to that. You think of a story and then use the data to connect the dots. It's not even opposite to that because there are plenty of cricketers that have started as outliers on 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 um, spreadsheets as well. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. Benny Howell, who, if you followed my work, I've I've talked about like I've talked about Benny Howell more than his parents has at this point. True. Right? That came from me looking at all these you know all these data points and going, well, wait a minute. This guy's the second best bowler in the world behind Rashid Khan and no one's talking about him. There's something wrong right. here. Why is this guy taking so many wickets and no one's talking about him? So what do I do? I take mm-hmm. the data, but I go back and I literally just said to Benny Hell, here's your numbers. What are you doing? Because right. when I watch you bowl, it looks like a boring me- medium pacer bowling. Clearly you're not a medium pacer because no one in the world can hit you, right? So right. For me, again, it doesn't matter if you're an outlier on a spreadsheet or if it's a memory of Faf Duplessis or, you know, or if it's um, trying to show that Neil Wagner has done something that no one else has ever done before. It doesn't matter to me where that thing is. It's this is different. This is weird. Am I interested? And then the minute I start digging, I'll know whether it's a piece or not. Right. And I could be digging at journalism. I could be digging at data points. Those things don't matter to me in either direction. Once I'm interested, I start digging. If I find that thing that really burns me, then I want to tell that story. Awesome. Understood. So talking about digging, right? So like, how do you construct, right? So what are the sources? So do you use any open source information or uh, do you use any resources that you personally made or tools that you have made, right? So how do you organize your entire research process? Well, I can't code. Um, so there's a lot of things I can't do, um, of re- very recent times. I have a Cheyenne and Ritwick, uh, working with me. Uh, Ritwick's just a volunteer who wanted to get involved. And uh, he, the most recent piece that we've just put up a video, we just put up about, um, facing right arm seam bowling, which is a story that no one ever tells. And it's like, it's literally everyone's talking about, well, this guy's not good against left arm seam, or this guy's not good against spin. It's like, yeah, but 50% of bowling is right arm seam. Who's good at it and who's not right. Um, 
so that piece comes from them. Traditionally, though, uh, I, I have worked with a couple of people, um, uh, mm-hmm. Amal Dese, uh, Jonas. Um, I'm trying to think who else I've worked with. Amal Dese, Jonas. Um, uh, certainly, you know, uh, I still go to people like, you know, uh, Himanesh, uh, Kartikeya, a uh, quick viz. Quick viz quite often, cool. you know, send a message to Ben or Freddie, um, maybe mm-hmm. Pat, uh, Patrick or, you know, who, whoever, whoever's uh, um, I've been chatting to or la- the person I last bought a drink at the pub of. Um, <laughs> team analysts sometimes. Obviously, I've been a team analyst as well, so sometimes, uh, you know, I'll contact them. But the, the, main, the main thread of my database is that Andrew Sampson, who's probably the best scorer um, the cricket's ever had perhaps, um, he, he he has his own database, so I bought his. But uh, we also we use Cricksheet as well, which is the right. open online open source. source. Um, right. And for years, obviously, I had access to Crickinfo and the back end of Crickinfo. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of random deals I do. There's a lot of big borrowing and stealing. Sometimes I'll work for a team, so I'll get access to a database for a little while. Um, there's no real one way. I think for me, it's just been getting my hands on it as much as possible. Um, the more information I have the better it is uh, for me to be able to tell the story. So. Got it. Got it. So talking about working with a team, right? So your job is mainly as a content creator, right? So and working as a team analyst is a completely a different task, mm-hmm. right? So how did you uh, enjoy it? Right. So like, how did you like, what did you learn from a working as a team analyst? Yeah. I, I mean, I was hired for St. Lucia. I actually got offered two jobs at the same time. I got offered mm-hmm. a job with Melbourne Stars, but it was at the end of Melbourne Stars season. So I wasn't going to no. be working for them for the next nine months or 10 months, whenever the next season was starting. And, in, right. and just after that, St. Lucia Stars got in touch and offered me a job. Right. And I was working for Crick Info. I'd already done, I'd done a few days with RCB, but I'd done that as a volunteer, partly because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know if what my skills were even helpful to a cricket team. Um, and also because I didn't want to quit Crick Info for a couple of days' work. If RCB had offered me a job, I probably would have left Crick Info at that point. But I didn't want to. I didn't want to be in a situation where I was working for RCB and working for Crick Info. I didn't think that was fair to anyone. In fact, even when I was working for St Lucia, and I and I wrote articles for Crick Info, I always thought it should have said that I was an employee of a cricket team at the time, which I think some of them did, but it should have just been a, a basic thing that they wrote at the bottom. But I think at that, I, I think. I was employed as assistant to the general manager, which is, I think, the same job that George Costanza had. Um, and um, uh, I can't remember, maybe it was team analyst or, or, or strategist or something like that. And so I thought I'd be working with the general manager and then having the odd meeting with the coach. Uh, and I go in and, I don't know, a day and a half after I start, I'm hosting a meeting with Mitch McLennigan, Tyron Pollard, mm-hmm. Darren Sammy. Muhammad Sami, um, Rakeem Cornwall, KS Ahmed. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it was, and I hadn't, I wasn't really prepared for what that was going to be. Uh, you know, I was dealing with Roddy Eswick. who was the bowling coach. He liked what I was saying. He said, there's no point telling me, tell them. And so I had to learn really quickly. I, I wasn't really ready for that. Uh, right. From there, over the next year, I worked for so many teams that by the end, I was much better at that sort of stuff, getting the information across, doing it in the way that it should be. Um, okay. But it's it's a way different job. You're looking for different things than you are as a, as a writing analyst compared to a um, team analyst. Even though you're still doing analysis, there are things that are really important to me as a writer that a coach and a player doesn't need to know, right? 
Exactly. So yeah. you have to park that. Then you're also dealing with, you know, we, we had guys with very limited educations um, at St. Lucia, and I think Brad Hodge has a PhD, right? <laughs> so you are in a room with 10 people looking back at you, and, and you're looking, you know, one guy's up here and one other guy's down here. And he's like an 18-year-old who just bowls fast and he doesn't know what's going on. And then you've got this other guy, you know, trying to deal with those sorts of people, trying to show the, the, the stuff that we needed to show. Um, all these things were really, really difficult, um, uh, cool. you know, to start with. So um, that was a real baptism of fire. And, you know, it wasn't the job I really thought I'd signed up for. Hmm. Uh but at, over time, I worked out how to be a team analyst. And, you know, by the end of my time with Scotland, I was much better at that side of it and, uh, and, and everything else. I now understand kind of what captains need. I certainly understand what coaches need. I understand what bowlers need. Um, okay. And, you know, if, if you offer me a job tomorrow, it would be very easy for me to give that information to someone. Um, but it's a high-stress job. You know, <laughs> I remember telling a newspaper writer about, like, the stress that you're under is just so intense. And he's like, oh, well, you, you've never written a newspaper deadline. I was like, mate, a newspaper right. deadline is not stressful. Having a team turn on you because they think you've made a mistake or have a captain tell you um, that you um, stole um, material from someone else and that you're not even doing your own work. <laughs> you know, having someone come up to you and say, you're the reason we lost the game. Uh, having people in tears because they're not playing a game or having some player think that you're trying to ruin his career because you don't like him. That's stress, right? You know, working with the Scottish cricket team when they're thinking we may not qualify for the World Cup and we were the, the number one team coming in here. Huge amount of stress. Uh, so it was a very, very different than being a writer on any level. But the basic analysis skills still come over. It's just you presenting it in a different way. You have to build relationships. Here's, here's one I've probably talked about before, but mm -hmm. we use the word average. You and I use the word average a lot. Cricket uses right. the word average a lot, right? Right. Generally, when you or I are using the word average, if we were to say that guy's an average batter, we don't really mean they're bad, right? So if you look, let's say, I don't know what the, let's say an opener in, in, in T20 cricket averages 29. That's about the average of, a, of an opener in T20 cricket. You and I would say average. To the normal person's ears, average is bad. But you and I know that there's probably only 25, maybe 30% of cricketers who actually make that average score just by going right. to average you're already in some ways above average if that makes sense right? right so you're better than a replacement level player you're if you're averaging 29 in t20 cricket at a strike rate of 133 you're going to have a 10-year career pretty much anywhere that you want around the world right you may not be in the ipl you may not travel around but you're going to have a good career but when right. a cricketer hears average they think ordinary right so there are simple things like that where you have to change your language, right? You have to be smarter with the way that you talk to players. Um, right. You know, so I, I remember I knew I was getting somewhere in one of my jobs when I heard one of the bowlers tell someone else, do you know what? Average isn't average. Average means you're a really good cricketer. And, I, and they're at the bar behind me. And I couldn't stop laughing because I was like, oh, my God. If I've taught him one thing, it's to understand numbers a little bit better. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's a great short story. Truly. Uh, and you have like, you have your own blog, you have your, uh, I think you, you recently started uh, your radio channel as well, 99.94 DM. And then you have your YouTube channel, right? How are you able to manage all of these things at once, right? So other people do take care of these or uh, like, like how, 
how draining is it for you? Like, or you enjoy everything that you do? Yeah. So 99.94 sadly has shut down now. So we ran that for actually probably ran it for the best part of a year, but the podcast part of it was probably about six months. Um, but you know, if I went through all the different business meetings and jobs that I actually have, like it is a bit ridiculous. Um, at any one time, how many different things I do. I worked out a long time ago that most people don't do things just because they're not very good at handling their time. Uh, and also if it is something that you love, you will do it right. Like I remember having this conversation with another writer who was chatting to Gideon Haig and he said to, um, and Gideon Haig told him that he, he writes every day. And the other guy was like, what? And Gideon Haig's like, I write every day. I love to write. I'm a writer. I write every day. And this guy was looking at me going, can you believe that? And then he looked at my face and went, oh, my God, you do too. And I said, yeah. I mean, we, I go on holiday with my wife and 9 o'clock at night, we've got the kids to bed and everything. And I whip out my iPad or my um, computer and start to work. And she will say, "Just you don't need to do that. You're on holiday. I'm like, no, no, no. This is, this is it. I'm relaxing this. You know, I, I don't want to watch TV. I don't want to read a book. I don't want to go for a, I can't go for a nighttime walk because my kids are asleep. Um, I'm going to write. That's what I do. So the, I think time management and that is very good. Of recent times, you know, I've built a really good team around me. I don't have many people. I, I suppose um, uh, Muku, who's my head of content at, uh, at my YouTube channel, is probably the only full-time employee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as I said, I've got Cheyenne. Uh, Ritwick started helping us recently. You know, my podcast network was um, set up by Nick McCorriston. Um you know, they're all these, uh, you know, our du- the Double Century po- podcast. A lot of those episodes were written by Abhishek Mukherjee. Um, I'm trying to think uh, who else. Have, you know, I have had other people help writing with Double Century podcast. Um, you know, it, I, uh, Bayram has, has come in um, to start doing some podcasts with me as well. It, it, I suppose my, my main skill is that I understood that mainstream media was doing it wrong. Right. <laughs> And that's what 99.94 was really about. It was actually about exploiting the fact that mainstream media pours all this attention into one project. And then if that project doesn't hit, they've now spent thousands of dollars and thousands of man hours on like a thing that failed. Right. We, we make, um, we make videos. um, So I, I write a script, right. Which is basically an article, but I wrote it a little bit more scripty. I then, make that into a video. We take that script, right? And we turn that into an article. We take that video and we chop that up into all individual pieces for all the social media out there. So now we have an article, we have social media, we have um, a podcast, uh, we have a video, we have all these things coming off what what is probably one central good idea, right? And that is essentially what I am trying to do, right? I'm trying to take one good idea because that's the tricky bit, right? It's coming up with the idea that's going to sell. And the other thing that I've realized is because so much of this is algorithmic, I'm, I'm going to try and do something as an experiment right here, right live for you. I did a video on Arshdeep Singh the other day, right? right. And, and that video on Arshdeep Singh probably has, I can't see the numbers now, but it probably has less than 10,000 um, views. Let's see if I can find it at all. Um, I can't even find it. <laughs> that that video probably has on YouTube less, uh, maybe ten thousand views, but it didn't go viral. It didn't explode in any way. Right. 
the um the version of that that is um that's way of putting it the um i put that same video up on tiktok right mm -hmm. and within about four hours it had fifteen thousand views right? right now that tells me that the content is not really the key thing here right yeah because if it was the content it would have popped on youtube and on tiktok and it didn't right. it also tells me that potentially when i put that video up on tiktok i don't know some other great youtube cricket content creators were doing stuff maybe a news story broke at that same time maybe right. the youtube algorithm didn't pick it up right i am right. giving myself more of a chance at more bites of the cherry to actually be successful so when you see all this work from me you have to know that it's one idea stretched out in all these different directions to work in all these different places. So other people are like, we can't keep up with how much work you do. And I was like, you're not supposed to. Right. If you read stuff, you're supposed to read my stuff. If you watch videos, you're supposed to watch my videos. If you like podcasts, you're supposed to go there. If you never get off social media, I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter. I got you there as well, right? That right. is what I am doing. And that's what I realized that you could do. That's what I wanted to do with 99.94 .94 was essentially get two smart people in a room talking about a great cricket team and then cut it up, write it up, post it up, all these different ways. And it really is about, it. if, if you love what you do, if you are interested by what you do, if you are willing to work hard and then you are good at managing your own time, I think you can do a lot of work. And that is not how everyone looks at things. Got it. Awesome. And uh, coming back to analytics in today's world, th there's so much analytics going in cricket, whether it's performance analytics, video analytics. So what do you think uh, in the upcoming years, the role of analytics in the world of cricket, whether it's about practice sessions or whether it's about match analytics. So where do you see this going in the next few years? Yeah, I think one, th one thing I would say is that I found it, everyone wanted opposition research. Correct. I remember I got offered a job with, um, oh, no, not got offered a job. I got chatted to about a job with one of the hundred teams. And the was like, just all about matchups, right? And I was like, no. Right. I said, I can tell you more about your own players than you'll be able to work out ever, right? Like, mm -hmm. I'll be able to break down your players in a way um, that you've, you've never even thought possible. Like, you can use this as a coaching method, right? When, right. when I worked with St. Lucia, it was, you know, really clear that there were inefficiencies in the way that we trained. Right. So right. We, we had a bowler who was who was given the ball. Um, he was a part time bowler who was given the ball to bowl spin and he hadn't been bowling in the nets with a new ball. Ball got stuck in his fingers. Right. If they you know, when, when I was at Scotland, I told them all this. And so we did really cool things like I would literally go out to all the UAE net bowlers and we go, OK, in the next game, we're going up against a guy who does a big back of the hand slow ball. Who are the guys who bowled the big back of the hand slow ball? All right. You two are up in our net. Come over. Right. This is where I want you to bowl it. This is how I want you to bowl it. This is how often I want you to bowl it. Then, of course, he gets in there and he's bowling Yorkers and bouncers. No, 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 no. We don't need you to bowl Yorkers and bouncers. I need you to bowl this length and then this slower ball. And if you don't do that, you can go sit on the bench. None of them want to sit on the bench, so they do what you say. That's what you've got to do, right? You're facing a left-arm finger spinner, and this finger spinner bowls um, over the wicket rather than around the wicket. You've got to have people in the nets bowling, those sorts of things. You've got to have your players doing that. So there's so many different ways that you can use it. Um, I would still say that the majority of – I think there's too much net practice in T20 cricket, for instance. 
Yes. Uh, there should be a lot more match simulation. Um, you know, uh, I, I know I've talked to a batting coach, uh, you know, a reasonably well-known batting coach of recent times, and we were talking about how one player could improve his T20 cricket. And I was like, why are you letting him face more than 16 balls in the nets? Right. And, and he's like, oh, he likes to get his reps in. And I said, yeah, I've got no problem with him doing that on, his, on, on, on uh, preparation for the tournament, right? Or if he loses form during the tournament. But right. during the tournament, you want him to actually get into the mindset of maximizing 16 balls. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And maybe one day you let him do 35 balls and the next day you let him do 12. Right. Right? These are the yeah. sorts of things in, you know, that we need batters to think about. And the same with bowlers, right? You, you want the bowlers to be flexible. Are they being used in that way in the nets? Right? Right. You know, have you done that sort of stuff? So, you know, you want them to bowl to this field. Have they bowled to that field before? Right. So I think analytics can go well beyond, and the best teams are already doing this, some of this stuff. Exactly. So even the, I, I stayed Bangalore. So even the local Bangalore cricket nets. So I used to go like a couple of years ago, like just people come and play for a few balls, but now it's like six balls. You need to hit eight runs. So that's how it's changing yeah. even in local uh, cricket as well, not just at international level. Yeah. I, I think, Cricket nets made a lot of sense back in the old days, and they're still really good for honing good techniques, for right. building confidence and all this sort of stuff. But on a match-by-match -match basis, I think cricket nets are one of the worst things you can do, right? And, right? and also, if you're a bowler, you're not bowling one ball then watching two other people bowl a ball, right? right. Little things like that where how you construct an over should matter. Um, and we can get better with all that sort of information. Plus, we should be mapping what players do in practice, right? right. Like, right. you know, if I, there's a particular bowler I worked with mm -hmm. who, even to this day, still struggles a little bit with wides. The first time mm -hmm. I saw him at training, he was struggling with wides, right? And right. I went up to someone and said, you know, what? what oh, it's just, it's just the nets. He'll be fine in the game. He still spoils. He, he just has, I think it's one particular delivery bowls. I just right. think that if he'd spent four years or so in the nets fixing that, it wouldn't be as big of a, a, a problem for him now, right? It's little things right. like that where you can make big differences. Got it. And uh, coming to, like, we have a lot of students who are really passionate, like, in India, you know, the craze for cricket. And there are some people who want to pursue careers in cricket as well, whether it's writing in cricket, content creation, or they want to work with IPL teams as well. Right. Uh, so what uh, path do you recommend for these people who are really ambitious and who really want to upskill themselves? Uh, right? So what do you say about any suggestions from your side for these people? And that's such a wide question because you're talking about right. analysts and writers and content creators and everyone else. Right. I think the most important thing is, uh, are you doing something that other people are not doing? And generally mm -hmm. what happens when I say that is people say, oh, everything's being done. And I'll say the same thing I said to someone when they said that to me 15 years ago. I said, I'll say, is there a blog that um, just on every leg spinner in the world? Right. right. Cricket has never, is not even close to being covered correctly, right? So right. there is always a way to break into the industry if you are covering something that should be covered that is not being covered. My entire career comes from me being the first cricket journalist to cover global cricket, not just my team. Right. right? right. Uh, Freddie Wilde's career comes from the fact that, you know, what's he, the England analyst now, the, the RCB analyst as well? I'm not sure if he's still over there, but his career comes from the fact that 
he um, covered T20 cricket because no one else had done it. There's so many journalists that do simple things like that, and there are so many open goals that no one ever does. Look at the sport. Look at what, what's missing. That's from a content creation side, but that also works as an, from an analyst. Like what is not being analyzed, right? What can you analyze that no one else is analyzing, right? What I always say, people say, you know, what do I need to do to be an analyst? And I always say, it's the simplest job in the world. You need to tell teams things they don't know. Exactly. Right? So yeah. you need to work out what that is. What do they know and what don't they know? What can you find out? What can you help them with? Once you do that, you know, I think it completely opens up um, and going into the future, it can be absolutely amazing. Got it. So basically two takeaways. One is how do you stand out of the crowd, right? So what's different in you that no one has done? And secondly, uh, right, so like how how can you identify things that uh, others haven't identified, right? Uh, awesome. Uh, so I think Jared, uh, right, so so far it, it's been an amazing session, a lot of takeaways as well, and great to hear your stories as well. Uh, and you have mentioned a lot of people. So I see that you work with a lot of people, you are connected with so many people all the time, your team as well. So that was a great session. I hope you enjoyed as well. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Sports Social Podcast Network.